Hello Christchurch, welcome to another episode of Deeper as we look at Nehemiah chapter 13 and we are joined by these incredible people who can introduce themselves. (laughs) (laughs) Who are we joined by? Joined by Emily. And, And by Tabs. Lovely. So that's, that's helpful. I mean, obviously, if you're watching this, you can see them very clearly. If you're listening to this, there you go. You can hear their voices. Emily and Tabs are joining us today. So thank you so much. Sunday, we looked at this final chapter and I gave a quick summary of kind of the book as a whole. And I'm just going to repeat that very quickly just to put it all into context. Three things have happened in the story of Ezra and Nehemiah, remembering that they're one book, but in our Bible split into two. The temple's been rebuilt, the wall has been rebuilt, and the people have reconnected with their God and Father by repenting of their sin, having been taught the Torah on this like law marathon of seven days. And they have said, you know what, we've sinned God, we want to recommit and turn to you. So these three things have happened. That then brings us to the end of chapter 12. So they're in a really good place. And it's like, yes, let's let's end the book there. That was my sort of big point. Let's end the book there. But then we have this 13th chapter. And we've seen this 13th chapter that those three things are undone. And you can sense Nehemiah's frustration in this passage. And he's not yeah. happy, is he? <laughs> he's not happy. He, is, he is not happy. So, so that's, that's where we're at. That's the context. We're going to go through the chapter now uh, as we look at exactly why Nehemiah was particularly unhappy and what he did about it. But that's to sort of put the kind of put the chapter into context. Tabs, you want to kick us off with some of the thoughts that you've had about the passage in particular? Um, so I I found certain parts of the passage a bit uh, a bit challenging to read because I, I on the live stream I know in in church physically you kind of gave uh, Lucy a bit of a a bit of a, an easy job and didn't make her read it all but I just decided to read all of it um, because actually I quite enjoyed it because it's it's. Um, just reading how frustrated Nehemiah was. It's so dramatic. Um, but there's bits of it that I found a little bit hard to, to say. Um, Cause like, if you go from like verse sort of uh, 25 uh, is like, I rebuked them and called curses down on them. I beat some of the men and pulled out their hair which I nearly laughed at. Um, I made them take an oath in God's name and said, you are not to give your daughters in marriage to their sons, nor are you to take their daughters in marriage to your sons or for yourselves. For it is not because of marriages like these that Solomon, king of Israel, sinned. Among the many nations, there was no king like him. He was loved by God and God made him king all of Israel. But even he was led into sin by foreign women. Must we hear now that you two are doing all this terrible wickedness and are being unfaithful in our, to our God by marrying foreign women? I just... Like he's like, oh, foreigners <laughs> is is how it how is if you were to read it out of context, like it it sounds pretty awful. 
Um, like Nehemiah was just some sort of racist. Um, but let's, let's put it into context. The context, yeah. the context is that actually these surrounding groups of people um, had had been well. So in the NLT, instead of saying foreign women, it refers to them as pagan women, um, because basically their their history um, is is that they were they were very much pagan, worshiping other gods. Uh, it refers to Solomon, and sort of says actually Solomon was such an a, a, an epic ruler. He was incredible, but yeah, even he was influenced by. The, the sin that was in these nations when he started intermarrying and, and, and things. And it, so it wasn't so much that they were, they were foreign, it was actually what those nations were renowned for and the influences that were in those nations. Um, and it, it, really, it really opens up that whole idea of how our actions often can carry like, influence um, and we can be influenced in ways that we don't realize are gonna happen. Um, but he's essentially in all of this chapter, he's he's saying so much has gone on and so much influence has crept in, and I think a lot of it he's addressing in in this last bit about the marriages and the the influences from these surrounding nations who had been very much against him in the rebuilding, um, and and yeah, the history is just littered with all sorts of stuff. And God, and God is so clear throughout the Old Testament that his people are called to be set apart. Now, we as well now as Christians, those who follow Jesus, those apprenticeship under him are also called to be set apart. But one of the very clear ways in the Old Testament that God says to his people, you are called to be set apart, is by not marrying certain nations who would lead them astray. And part of what I was saying on Sunday was that the children of God, the Israelites, they are constantly led astray by different things, both by themselves, by outside influence, as you're just saying. And so God is, God is trying to protect them by yeah. saying, um, don't marry these certain nations who, who will lead you astray. You know, focus on me and your families. Let's focus as a family on me. So it's all from a good place. And yet it's, it, it does sound racist from, from the outset, but I think as you've explained it, thinking about it as a pagan versus mm. children of God it is a better way of viewing that because God is not racist. God loves all. Yeah. What he's saying to the people of Israel is you need to live set apart in some way. And this is one of those ways. Yeah. And he, he did make, God made ways like for, for those who weren't, of, of Israel to, to come and offer sacrifices even. And there's ways outlined in, in the Torah that explain how that could happen. So he, he was, we often think that this whole set apart um, stuff in the Old Testament was, was like very much anti everyone else, but God does have that heart of compassion for all. And obviously we see that and how that's demonstrated uh, through Jesus. Amen. Amen. So that, that sort of picks up on some of the stuff that I didn't talk about on Sunday, um, just because of time. I didn't, I didn't touch on that marriage thing. But what I did touch on were these sort of three things that have happened that, that Nehemiah comes and speaks into. Emily, this first thing that happens is all about this priest. What's all that about? 
Yeah, so Tobiah. Oh, no. <laughs> um, no, 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 basically. Um, so it's like, why is this such a big thing? Why is Tobiah such a big thing? And um, in the first verse, it says um, that actually no Ammonite should um, enter the assembly of God. Tobiah is an Ammonite. So therefore, there's the first bad thing that has happened. The second thing, which I thought was very rude at first, and then I've realized how bad it is, is um, that they clear a room for Tobiah. Um, a room that is has housed lots of sacred things that have helped people um, enter into God's presence, into worship. They've basically taken that out and put Tobiah in. Um, so it's saying all those things that are so important that are helping you connect with God, put that aside and we'll put him in. Um, so Tobiah isn't the best person and um yeah what a great way to start the chapter and i think it just shows this like oh I, i've you know from Nehemiah's point of view i i have i have shown you how yeah. to live you know we, we we have we have got ourselves back on a level playing field interestingly and i and i didn't actually notice this until after sunday um in verse six it says that nehemiah went back to King Artaxerxes in the 32nd year of his reign. So back to chapter two, and we see very clearly that Nehemiah leaves for Jerusalem for the first time in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes' reign. So Nehemiah has been in Jerusalem with these people, rebuilding this wall for 12 years. Now, it doesn't say when he then goes back to the king and then comes back to Jerusalem. It doesn't say how long that chunk of time is. But you think he's coming back. Let's say it's a few months, maybe up to a year. That, that is a guess. Um, but it's certainly not as long as 12 years. He, he's, he's coming back and he's thinking, I have invested so much into you. I've invested into the priests. I've invested into the Levites. I've invested into the people of God. And now Elishib. Is that how we say it, Tabs? You say it better than me. Okay. I, I've been pronouncing it Eliashib. Eliashib. You know, Eliashib's done this awful thing in letting Tobiah into the house of God, mm -hmm. clearing out these sacred things that are used for worship, and, and, and just all really disrespecting God yeah. and going against the laws. That's not the only thing that that priest, the high priest, does. In yeah. verse 10... It says, I learned that portions assigned to the Levites had not been given to them for all the Levites and musicians responsible for the service have gone back to their own fields. So once again, he is not providing as the high priest for his cohorts of priests, his staff, the people that he is meant to be in charge of, is not providing for them. So this guy is like a double, you know, double things that are going wrong. So it's not great. But then... Verses 12 to 14, we see Nehemiah try to sort it out. That's the kind of leader he is. He wants to try and sort it out. So he does that. And then we get to this whole talking about the Sabbath. Do any of you guys want to pick up on that? What, why is it so bad, what they're doing on the Sabbath? Or I, or I can fill that blank in. Well, it was, 
I mean, it was it was very much in that in that day. The Sabbath was treated um, with a lot more reverence and respect than than we have now. It wasn't just about taking a day of rest. It was it was taking a day of rest uh, for to glorify God. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in in that day, anyone involved with the nation of of Israel was to rest. Um, in, including including the animals, even the animals apparently had to to rest and, and weren't allowed to to do their work, um, and so all of a sudden you've got people coming in trading um, and and doing all sorts of stuff like uh, like just yeah work related stuff. Although I did think actually when he puts these guards on on watch on the Sabbath, does that not mean that they're working? I did think that yeah. too. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, the Sabbath was a big deal, um, and and equally should be if we want to glorify God. I think it should be a big deal for us. Um, and I, I, knowing that context, I can fully appreciate um, why uh, Nehemiah was so keen to rebuke the nobles of Judah. What is this wicked thing you're doing, desecrating the Sabbath day? I do love this this reading of scripture voice, particularly when you're pretending to be Nehemiah tabs. Yeah. <laughs> you know what, Simon? I think he should be a children's and youth worker. Oh. oh. It's, it's as if his calling's like right there. It's amazing. <laughs> Great, guys. Before we move on to application, because we've got quite a bit on application, are there any final comments you want to bring up? Anything that really struck you in the scripture that we haven't spoke about yet? Um. I think the thing that did strike me is like we like Tabs has slightly taken the mick out of it, but and was laughing at it myself. But then I've been like pondering upon it more um, in verse twenty-five, where it says, "And I confronted them and cursed them and beat some of them and pulled out their hair," which sounds very dramatic, and. I kind of saw it as like that could be a teenager's fight that's happening. Um, But actually, I think what's really important is about how he confronted um, these people. What he saw was totally wrong. And he was like, actually, I'm not just going to sit here and be quiet and do it um, with a lovely soft voice. Um, actually, what I'm seeing is wrong, and I'm going to speak out against that. Do I think we should curse, beat, and pull people's hair out? No, I don't. Um, you clarified that, Emily. That's helpful. I, I, I think to say that. Simon, like for Simon to get on the wrong side of Nehemiah would have, would have <laughs> just been awful. I mean, with with his perfect hairline and everything. What would have like, happened if it had come? Come, come out. Like, what would have happened? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Go on, Emily. Sorry, we interrupted you. Um, so for me, kind of reflecting upon that is actually when we see other people and um, their actions and um, actually we can see that they're not in line with what God wants for them and for what you know, and how then maybe not glorifying God's name, like what we're seeing in this passage. I feel like it kind of does give us permission to be able to do that ourselves, to, um, 
go to someone in absolute love. And I think that's the, the case here. He is seen as being like fearless actions is what it says. But I think it is fearless love where it is coming from. Love for the, the people, love for God. And just saying, do you know what? We need to get back on the right track. Mm-hmm. Um, to to love God with everything that we have and love each other. Um, so I think it's a case of actually that's what we're allowed to do with each other. If we see that um, we're not doing something that's glorifying God or someone else isn't doing something that is glorifying God, then actually we should um call them out on it but call them out on it with love and in love using words of hope and life and um just giving direction none of this pulling the hair malarkey don't do that because that ain't of love okay um but actually being able to do that as brothers and sisters in christ and respecting that that is hope that someone would like call me out because mm. I'd be like, actually, thank you. That's actually taken you a lot of guts to do that, and I really appreciate that. Um, yeah, because how are we gonna grow if we don't know these things? That is a great segue into wider because then we can talk about that in a bit mm-hmm. of application, can't we? So let's move into wider. So we've, we've gone deeper, we've gone, we're now going to go wider. Emily, you were just sharing a bit about verse 25. Do you want to, do you want to carry on a little bit as particularly how we apply that into our lives and, and maybe a bit of advice on how we do that? Yeah, yeah. Um, so looking at Proverbs 27, verse 17, it says, iron sharpens iron. And... Um, we need to, we can learn from each other like if um, the holy spirit's you know within us and like christ has redeemed us and has made us holy then actually we can help each other within that journey within that apprenticeship to continue within that um living our faith out but if there are times in which we we are falling short then actually people can actually help us like get back onto the right track um so iron sharpens iron like would be sitting down and correcting people and so it says in 2 timothy chapter 4 and i think i'm gonna go with verses one and two says i solemnly urge you in the presence of god and christ jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead now we don't do the judging it's only it's only him okay we can just go on to the next bit when he appears to to set up his kingdom says preach the word of god be prepared whether the time is favorable or not patiently correct rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching so we are not to judge that's not our place whatsoever to do but in the steps here it would be actually patiently correct 
um, sit down with someone. Don't send a text message saying you're being stupid. Don't do that. Okay. Actually spend time with someone being able to talk it through. Um, and because actually when you're spending time with someone, you're showing them love in just in the act itself. And um, then being able to say, actually, this is what I think is happening. And I don't, this is what I think you're doing. That's not glorifying God. But then, so that's kind of like the rebuking bit. But then encouraging straight away there's that encouraging with good teaching being able to point the person always back to the bible it's never about our own opinion going this is the reason why you're stupid okay like this you should be like actually you're not loving your neighbor as you love yourself like you're not seeing people through god's eyes Uh, i i am known for being more blunt than most people. No, um, no sure. Never. never. No. Um, but I always want people, and people that know me and love me, know that, that it is from a place of love that words come from. And words should be of words of life rather than of bringing someone down. Um, so we need to carefully use our words in that. Emily, thank you. That, that's so important that we remember that we are not the judge. So Jesus gives us permission to do so much of what he does in his ministry. You know, we are given power and authority through his Holy Spirit to you know, cast out demons, to raise people from the dead, to, to heal people, to forgive people, to do so much that he does. Yet what we are never given permission to do is to judge people. That is solely God who is the judge of all. And so that's so helpful to hear that when we see a brother or sister in Christ doing something that we're just like, look, this this isn't in line with what Jesus does. This isn't in line with what scripture says. Look, can we just sit down and can we have a little chat about it? And I want to do it patiently, as you said, you know, as, as Timothy says, I want to do it in love. I want to just encourage you afterwards. And People have done that to me in the past. And don't get me wrong, it really hurts when people like, sort of point something out about you that you're, you're doing that's, that's wrong. And you just think, oh, like, I, I feel so annoyed with myself, let down with myself, you know, frustrated that someone else has seen it, let's be honest. Mm. Actually, always afterwards, I'm like, I'm so glad someone did that. I'm so glad someone mm. just sat down and had the time, just spent with me and just said, look, Simon, let's let's try and realign you with what i'm saying i i really like that you said that it it isn't meant it should never be about your own opinion um because that's where the judgment creeps in that actually it is about um it's about god's teaching um and the importance of 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 being biblical when you when you are offering a rebuke like it says in the chapter just before what in in Timothy's second letter, that all scripture is God-breathed and useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, training, righteousness, and so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. It's about equipping each other with yeah. God's word. Yeah. Um, yeah. So have you got an, a wider application that you've been thinking about from this passage? Um, I think it's the whole idea of um, what we're influenced by um and the idea that if if someone like 
King Solomon um, could be could be so ruined by by poor influences, how much more careful, how much more wary we need to be about the influences in our lives. And it's not to say that we we should distance ourselves from the world, um, but more that actually we should be the influencers rather than those who are just influenced by things. And so the, the, the challenge, I guess, of, of looking actually where, where am I most engaged with, with the world and am I being influenced by that or am I being a person off influence in, yeah. in that arena? Um, I, think, I think that's, that's the key thing because Nehemiah, Nehemiah was rebuilding Jerusalem. He was rebuilding it to be a, a, a great uh, nation um, within and, and everything. And um, Ezra came to, to rebuild the people and, and that was building them to be something great. Um, something of influence, something of power, um, something that glorified God. Um, and so I, I think we need to take that on ourselves um, to be that as well in this world um, rather than letting, the, uh, letting those pagan women uh, <laughs> influence us. But I think now, like obviously back in Nehemiah's time, there wasn't Facebook or Instagram, Mm -hmm. you know, actually our sphere of influence is so much bigger. Yeah. Um, And actually, like, having that online platform, should we say, like, as Christchurch, we have an online platform with our YouTube channel, um, all our Instagram pages and Facebook pages. We should be using them to glorify God as a church, which we do. But actually, as individuals as well, even within that online sphere, that actually we should be influencers within that area as well. Mm. Definitely. Jesus is the light of the world, and we are called to reflect his light, aren't we? That's that's it. Thank you so much, Tabson. That's amazing. We're going to move into our further time. We're going to ask some questions that you can ponder yourself or as a missional community, you can just think about yourselves. So further. Tabs, you ended that wider section talking about influence. Have you got a question that we can all ponder today? Um, yeah, it would be, where are you being influenced and where are you being an influencer? Fantastic. Yeah, really important. Thank you so much. Emily, have you got a question for us to consider? Mine's more of um, a reflection, which be, obviously, I've said, like, we, we are able to patiently correct, but actually, the best person that can do that is the Holy Spirit. So actually spending time and saying, Holy Spirit, actually, what do I need to realign? Um, and just spending time in his presence and seeing what he says. Yeah, great. Fantastic. Um, my mind would be similar to what I said on Sunday. The whole sort of overview of this chapter and the book is that chapter 13 is see stuff's gone wrong. So in your life, where do you need to sit with the Holy Spirit and just say, this, this is, you know, it's gone wrong, repent. 
And is today that opportunity where you just say, yes, I'm, I am recommitting myself like the people did under Ezra's teaching. I'm recommitting myself to obeying your laws, God, to obeying what you have told us to do so that I can live in a way that is set apart so that I can be the light of the world, like Jesus, reflecting that light out, so that I can just truly and utterly be the person that God wants me to be. So is, is that today for you? That would be my long-winded but... Nice short question there. <laughs> yours, yours was a short question. I can't do short questions. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much, Tabs and Emily, for giving up your time today. Thank you so much. Um, Tabs, would you just close in prayer for us? Would that be all right? Yep. Yep. God, thank you for this whole book of Nehemiah. Thank you that uh, even though it, it ends in a, in a slightly different way, um, as maybe a disappointing way, uh, it offers us so much to think about. And so, Lord, I pray that you'd help us to uh, reflect further on this, on our lives, where we're influenced, um, and and how we can really uh, look to be a chapter 12 people, not a chapter 13 people. Uh, help us to know that you are a graceful God um, and that you equip us and empower us to live for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you so much, and we will see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.